they are determined to continue whatever ratchet legacy that he has left here in this country, and it is very ratchet, they can, they, there, it is their intent to continue that legacy of all of these, this misinformation, I say things, uh, issues that are deemed to be defamatory and inflammatory, coupled all in one big recipe. Uh, Representative Gavon, I love the fact that we have worked ratchet into the same paragraph that we have the words <laughs> inflammatory and uh, defamatory. I love that. Ho ho, ratty boys and girls. Welcome back again to another episode of your favorite Alabama politics podcast. It is Alabama politics this week. Uh, because, and it's probably your favorite because it's the only <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any competition, huh? I know, man. We we should be. It's no wonder we're doing so well. No wonder we're doing so well. <laughs> uh, not I that we're Josh inviting competition. We're right, not right, asking right, for right. competition. Well, I mean, but. at this point, really, what what chance would they have? Bring it on, jackasses. Well, yeah, yeah, we're, we're kind of 100 miles down the road yeah. at this yeah, point. You're not, getting, you're not getting us. We're not like Dale Earnhardt out in the front of the pack here. There you um, go. Hey, uh, all right. I am Josh Moon, and the other person you hear is David Person. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, it, listen, it's been a light week um, in terms of really stupid things uh, that have gone on, and uh, you know. So I don't. We, we've actually come up with with a, with a new segment and everything here for this whole uh, this podcast, and uh, we'll talk about that later. But it's uh, Representative Wandling Gavon is going to be on to talk about uh, you know her disdain <laughs> of the idiocy that's happening, and uh, you'll you'll enjoy that. Uh, trust me, uh, and uh, you know. But let's uh, let's lead with our as always our I guess our top stories uh, here. And, All right. Uh, you know, really, legislatively, uh, in the in the Alabama legislature, I, I just there's not a whole lot of of really controversial things that have happened this week. Um, you know, I think everything has been uh, expected. You know, the, there have been the the normal sequence of some of some controversial bills, I would say, uh, that have taken place, and maybe some controversial things. Uh, medical marijuana, for example, has gotten tied up in committee, of course. Mm, uh, of course, uh, the yoga mm. bill. Has gotten tied up in committee, of course, because of course, man. you know, while you know, we we can't have that Hindu indoctrination uh, through stretching, um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I would say one of probably one of the more controversial things that we saw this week is uh, this uh, oddly enough a contract uh, for the Department of Corrections. It's a one point five million dollar contract uh, between the Department of Corrections and Mark Stein Consulting. Uh, which is essentially a PR firm. And so your Department of Corrections has hired a PR firm for a million and a half bucks uh, to try to make them look better, which they could do for free. Right. By just doing the shit they're supposed to do. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I, it's my, I, I will say this. In somewhat of a light defense of them, they did originally hire this firm uh, to recruit correctional officers. Uh, so there was some, you know, they were doing some advertising for jobs, which again, I don't really, really understand. I don't know why you need to do that uh, when you have 
uh, you know, communications people and marketing people there that put these things together and you're advertising for jobs. Uh, so just sure. put the job specifications out there, but so a million and a half bucks. And of course there is, you know, ties to, you know, law firm, uh, here, Maynard Cooper, which, it, which also handles most of the legal work for Alabama department of corrections. I almost like one attorney in 2020 for that worked for Maynard Cooper, one attorney was paid more than $3 million in legal fees uh, by the Department of Corrections, which I will remind you has its own legal team uh, that it pays. Mm. Um, and so now one of the top shareholders' son uh, from from that law firm is in charge of this consulting firm uh, that has also got this million-and-a-half-dollar contract. So you got that going for you, which is nice. Um, I, I don't know, man. It, this all kind of ties into to me. Are the the ultimate and almost offensive to me mismanagement of our Department of Corrections in this state, um, and, and I think you see this. Th- this to me is one of the more telling signs of of a failure of leadership of a department when you have a situation like this, where when you put it on paper, everybody says, "Ooh, that doesn't look good," but those people can't see it. They, they they can't see the obvious problems here with hiring this this firm uh, for this amount of money to cover up. But I, I, maybe I shouldn't say cover up, but to uh, try to pretty up your poor performance. And mm-hmm. they just can't see how bad that's going to look. Hmm. I, I just, well, you know, I, you know, this is. This is uh, I think this is fairly typical, though, in politics. You know, political entities, bureaucratic entities and government make decisions for political reasons and for, I think, also at times patently corrupt reasons. And they're so driven by that that they don't think about the obvious optics or they think that uh, maybe they think it'll just blow over or something. Uh, or maybe they just don't give a damn. Maybe they yeah. just figure it just yeah, it doesn't matter because, you know, I'm going to get this money or I'm going to get this this power or this opportunity. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But but, you know, as you said earlier, to, the key to me is when you first brought up talking about this story. The, the my first immediate thought was, well, if they would just do, if the Department of Corrections would just do, you know, the things that the justice, the U.S. Justice Department has been saying that you should do, if you would just do what the courts have previously mandated that you should do, mm-hmm. if you would just do things that fall in line with the basic principles that we were taught in kindergarten about how to treat each other humanely and justly, then you wouldn't need a PR firm. You wouldn't have to spend $1.5 million of taxpayers' money to do this. Just correct the problems. Treat people humanely and decently. Stop treating incarcerated people as though they are less than human. Mm-hmm. Stop tolerating corruption, internal corruption from people who are exploiting incarcerated people because they think they're less than human. If you just follow some basic tenets yeah. of human decency and kindness, you wouldn't need 
a PR firm. Right. You know, and, and listen, you, at the, you don't even really have to follow human decency and kindness. You, if you just followed the law, if you just followed the law and the directives mm-hmm. of what the cor- uh, corrections uh, program is supposed to be in this state, then mm-hmm. you, everything would work out just fine. Uh, you know, it's, it, it amazes me. You know, there, there are two separate uh, types of worthless politicians to me. All right. They're the pandering kind, which we discuss a lot here, that are interested in their own advancement and pandering and, and doing these things that that seem to do, you know, that just get a lot of attention. But they're, they're really pretty worthless. Uh, you know, those, those type of people are over here. Jeff Dunn is a, is another and he's a commissioner, uh, ADOC commissioner. And, right. a, you know, and he is that there's, there's just a level of incompetence there and that. With with him and that department, there is not a single portion of ADOC that you can look at, uh, not a single segment of it that you can look at and say, well, that's running pretty well. You know, I mean, no, it is all an abject failure uh, on, on every level. There's there's not, you know, it's overcrowded. Uh, they, they don't work well with the sheriffs. Uh, their prisoners dying constantly. There are drugs all over the damn place. Uh, you know, their their correctional officers continue to get uh, arrested for things. There are massive cover-ups of, of, of crimes that are taking place. They haven't followed the DOJ uh, recommendations on anything. Their mental health programs are, are abysmal. Their health care programs are abysmal. Uh, they He has a poor relationship with the legislature. Uh, it, it just... On and on and on and on with this thing. There's nothing that you can point to that is a benefit to anybody in the state. And I don't know what it takes to get somebody fired in this position. Um, and, and, you know, and I don't advocate for a lot of firings without there being some, you know, reason for that. And and I think that Dunn has, has, has earned this. And he may be, and, and I, listen, I've talked to people who say he's a good guy. And, and he may be a good guy, but he's in over his head in this job. And we have seen the evidence of what's taking place with him here. It's not working. It's not being fixed. It's not something that you have faith in. You know, I'll give you an example of of, of a change there and how it looks. Uh, take pardons and paroles, for example, which is also a very problematic entity. Uh, prior to Charlie Graddock taking over, there were problems with too many prisoners uh, with violent past being let let go. Uh, and they're mm-hmm. not keeping track of that. Then they put Graddock in and hell, nobody was getting out. And, and they were still having problems. But I'll tell you this. Today, you call down there and the guy running the show, Cam Ward, will answer the phone and talk to you about what's happening and, and tell you what's going on and why there's this problem and how they're going to fix it and how there's an issue with this and how they're going to fix it. I did it yesterday. Uh, there, there was a gentleman in, uh, uh, that had been in the system, Jerry Lett. Uh, was a, a veteran, uh, and he had been paroled last year. Um, now there is an, an issue. Turns out there was a paperwork issue uh, with the Pardons and Parole Board, and they gave him parole too early. Uh, he was not eligible at that time for parole. And so they're going to revoke it and put it back. By every measure, Jerry Lett has been a model prisoner and a model parolee. He's done nothing wrong. He's uh, every single corrections officer who worked with him recommended him for parole. Every single one of them. His parole officer recommended that he stay on parole. They've had no problems with him whatsoever. Uh, You know, he's like I said, he's a veteran. Uh, He was a first responder for a long period of time. Made a mistake with drugs. Was not a violent offender in any way. His daughter is currently a security officer in the Air Force. Spends a lot of time with her. Um, And so, 
and he's got a lot of health conditions. And so I called uh, Cam Ward to say, hey, man, you know, what's going on here? And is there not something that we can do with this? And, you know, his he said, look, I'm responsible for this because I was in the legislature when we voted for this law change that said you shall serve this minimum portion of your sentence. Uh, and so he was supposed to serve five years and only serve just over two. And he said, now, I'll tell you this. He said, what I think we can do here on this end is handle it from an administrative standpoint where he isn't going to go back into prison, but can be placed in a community corrections facility where he can go home at night. Uh, no, you know, uh, so that's like a halfway house or something? Yeah, like a halfway house kind of situation. Okay. And in addition to that, um, what it may end up being is actually better for him because he has some very serious health problems. Um, and this will allow the state to help him get help with his health issues. This is a great example of what I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is a situation where if you employ some kindness and human decency, yeah. you can get you can you can you know, it makes it better for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and this this whole idea that we have to be. You know, we have to be punitive all the time and then mm -hmm. not just punitive, but we've got to be as nasty yeah. and as mean in being punitive as we can be. It's just it, it it just to me, it's there's something very sickening about that. Yeah. And it's yeah. not necessary. No, it's, there's a cruelness to it. There's Absolutely. a cruelness to it that that is that's unbecoming. You know, it's. But, a, but, but Josh, wouldn't you say. I'm about to say something that that may get me in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway. Oh, I like Wouldn't this. I like where this is going. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you say that from a cultural standpoint, mm -hmm. you know, now I, I, you know, I do, I keep up with history. I, I do a little reading about history. Right. You know, there were a lot of horrific things done to, in particular, to black people um, but, but I'm sure also to native people mm -hmm. and, and to whites who cross certain lines, mm -hmm. horrifically evil, cruel things that were done, uh, in, during the slavery era, during reconstruction and even Jim Crow. Uh, don't you think that there's sort of a cruel streak that runs in our culture along almost, um, I mean, it's almost embedded in us that mm -hmm. we can't just deal with a problem. No, we got to be punitive. We got to be cruelly punitive. Mm -hmm. I mean, that seems to be consistent, unfortunately, yeah. with what we've seen here. Yeah, particularly when we're talking about uh, crimes committed by people of color. Um, yeah. You know, um, it is or, or, you know, or just a, the assumption of a crime committed by a person of color. Um, you know, we, we, we tend to not care. I mean, listen, you can't, you cannot have prisons in the shape of ours without there being that level of cruelty that you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. You can't, you can't just throw away people lives and, and, and have any less than a cruel streak in you. Okay. You can't, you can't do it. You can't do it and not care. Um, you can't do it. And, 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 know that they're suffering the, the way that they are and, and not, not give a damn. It just, it's impossible. It's impossible to not have that level of cruelty that you're talking about and do those things. And it's a, um, 
it, I, it's a mark on us. It really is, uh, you know, and, and people will, will turn a blind eye and, and, and excuse it away in a, in a variety of different ways and, you know, and, and talk about how it's, it's not up to them. But it is. If, if the voters of this state held people accountable for, for the job that they did, and if they were true to the idea that every life has value, uh, then you would care more about the rehabilitation of all of those people who are in those prisons. Because, we, listen, I, I'm not just talking out of my ass here. It's been proven over and over and over again that in, in countries all over this world uh, that you can rehabilitate pretty much anybody. Um, and, and, and put them back into society and have them become a functioning member of society if you handle it appropriately uh, right. and devote the resources to it. And in a lot of cases, hell, in 90 some odd percent of cases, it's cheaper to devote those resources and do the rehabilitation than it is to, uh, to maintain incarceration of all those people. That's right. That's right. So, And I, I think this goes to something that you often say on this podcast that I think you know, should be said probably almost at every opportunity. And that is, uh, we have a deficit of compassion Mm -hmm. and we need, you talk about that a lot, this deficit of compassion. And I think, and I think we ought to be, we ought to be talking up compassion more. We ought to be talking up, uh, you know, uh, second chance opportunities more, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, And to me, you know, as a church going Christian, to me, all of that is just an extension of what Jesus talked about in the red letters, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and we claim to be, you know, we got churches on every freaking corner in this city, uh, the city of Huntsville, it seems like, and, and all across the state, you know, thousands of churches. Yeah. And yet we seem to be the most we we have a deficit of compassion that does not add up with all of these churches and all of these people raising their hands and talking about Jesus. It's just really mind boggling. Well, well, it seems it seems as though a lot of those churches were put in place there because people needed somebody to come and excuse them for the cruel way that they've treated others, mm. um, you know, and, and to make themselves feel better by showing up every Sunday or Wednesday or whenever they go and, mm-hmm. and, and to excuse away what they've done during the middle of the weeks to you know, to their fellow human beings. Um, and, you know, I, it, it is, it's, it really is shameful. Uh, you know, I mean, this, Jerry Lett, for example, I mean, you know, unless somebody had, had, had uh, drawn attention to this thing, uh, and the Montgomery Advertiser did a story, and that's where I first saw it. Uh, and then I, I, I did some some other research and saw, you know, some some stories about it from some other entities and, um, you know, and, and then talked to Cam and, and did our own stuff here with that about what could possibly happen. And it's, uh, you know, he would have been, he'd been locked up and nobody would have much cared. Uh, you know, a, a guy who served his country, uh, got, you know, was a, a help to hundreds of people as, as a first responder. And, uh, you know, and, and that didn't, nobody, nobody cares the moment the door shuts behind them. And yeah. I don't, I just don't understand that you have this whole army of people there locked up where, and they could be so much more, you know, to, to society with, with not much effort, man, you know, and mm-hmm. we don't care that we're wasting millions of dollars every year on rehabilitation programs that essentially don't exist uh, because our Department of Corrections has done such a poor job in administering them uh, throughout this state that they basically don't exist. Uh, Other states, in the meantime, 
are doing phenomenal and have seen phenomenal results with the same programs and they churn people out. And that's one of the main reasons why they don't have an overcrowding situation. But we don't give a shit about that. We don't care. But we, we care about the punitive action of locking people up and saying, that's it. We got rid of them, nope. you know, and, and that's it, you can't do that. And and hopefully if anything good would come will come from the opioid crisis that has affected so many white families now. Uh, maybe there will be a change of mindset. I mean, it's, it's a shame to even say it that way, that we've had to get white people locked up before they cared about the black people that were locked up. But, yeah. you know, maybe maybe that's one good thing that will come about out of that. I want to I want to tag on to this conversation something that uh, our, our good friend, our very good friend, State Representative Laura Hall shared with me. She has introduced a bill, uh, HB 306. Uh-huh. In fact, we, we ought to have her come on the podcast and talk about it. Um, HB uh, 306 is basically a bill that's designed to ensure, and this is a very rough summary of it, but a bill that's designed to ensure that people who have been wrongly incarcerated can get some retribution, some financial retribution from the state of Alabama. Yes. And and I think it I think I can say um, that the genesis for this bill Mm -hmm. coming from State Representative Hall was after uh, she learned about the story of Anthony Ray Hinton. Yeah. You know, which, um, you know, he's written a best selling book. It's called The Sun Does Shine. Mm -hmm. And uh, Oprah's supposed to be turning it into a movie. you know, uh, Hinton was was uh, was on death row, mm-hmm. wrongly accused for a crime, and uh, he is one of those people that Brian Stevenson, a good man, somebody that that we're both acquainted with, has uh, you know, and and his story, of course, has been uh, told in movies and books and so forth. Brian helped to get uh, Anthony Ray Hinton off of death row freedom, helped to get him free. And, uh, and, and he actually was speaking in Huntsville. And after he spoke that night, I remember Laura came over to me and said that she was going to start working on a bill. Mm-hmm. This was over a year ago. And now this bill has come to, and now she submitted this bill, 306. And again, I think, that it speaks to this idea that, you know, again, talking about compassion and just doing right by people. Yeah. Well, you know, when you disenfranchise somebody, you've taken years of their life away from them and subjected them to the cruelties of being in an Alabama prison. Should the state be, be have to affix a dollar amount to, to, for retribution and to, help to offset the damage that was done to that person. Hell yes, the state should. So Hell yes, the state yeah, should. You're, and you're 100% right on all of this. Um, I, I know uh, the Hinton story very well. As a matter of fact, I wrote, I interviewed him a while back, uh, uh, wrote about this, this story uh, not long after he was released. Um, and there was, surprisingly enough, uh, a Republican lawmaker at the time who went to bat for Anthony Ray Hinton in the legislature to try to get him. I want to say it was two and a half million, million and a half dollars. I, I, uh, I remember in, that. In compensation, yes. it was Paul Busman from Coleman, uh, who mm-hmm. was more of a, 
Uh, you know, I would say more of a right wing independent than than you're maybe a true Republican. You know, he had his own ideas about government. Uh, but, you know, I, and Paul could be hard to deal with. But, you know, at, at that point, he was hard to deal with for Steve Marshall, who vehemently opposed any sort of compensation for Anthony Ray Hinton uh, because it would open the floodgates, he said, to people who had been wrongly incarcerated uh, to come back without a court saying that they were innocent. And see, this is the key. This is where That's they get right. everybody. That's is right. Because if you go, what, what often happens is, is you'll have, uh, you'll have people like Anthony Ray Hinton who will, at new evidence will be presented or they'll, they'll finally show somewhere down the line that the prosecutors acted improperly. Uh, That's right. and, and a court will vacate that. And, but they don't, they don't, declare them, you know, they don't overturn the verdict. They don't declare them not guilty. They don't, you know, absolve them of this. What they say is, is they're eligible for a new trial and the state will then decide not to try it. That's right. And if you don't try it, that is not an admission by the state that that person is innocent. It's an admission by the state that, oh, you know what? So much time has passed. Who can say? And that was Steve Marshall's bullshit argument during this thing. Mm. And he tried to tell people that they didn't know for sure whether Anthony Ray Hinton had done this or whatever. And, I mean, that was one of the one of the first dealings I had with Steve Marshall. That was right after he lied to me. So this did not go well for him. Uh, but and, and it did not go well for him as me. <laughs> In the hallway with with Paul Busman either, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, he uh, it was it, it's it's nonsense and yeah, there are it's absolute and, and nonsense. Listen, yeah. Anthony Ray Hinton is a is a, a a terrible case and and everybody should pay attention to that. There are dozens of those. You know, you mm-hmm. don't realize how many there are. There are dozens of those that don't rise to that level. That don't the the, the person in on death row. They're just convicted of robbery. Uh, you know, and spend six to eight months in jail before they, they figure out a way to get it overturned through, you know, through, by a higher court somewhere. And, and so you have all of those things that take place. You've taken somebody's life from them. That's right. That's right. For, for that period of time through your bullshit management of this thing. That's and right. And you should pay for that. You should compensate right. those people for these things. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and in, and instead, what we have is our AG, who's now trying to hurry through a bill uh, that would instead take prisoners' stimulus checks uh, from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that's the that's called, because that's furthering the mindset uh, of what we have. Even though I know he knows better, I know he knows that our corrections department is terrible. I know he knows that these things are wrong, but he doesn't care because the the. The greatest benefit to Steve Marshall is to keep riding this wave of public sentiment instead mm-hmm. of telling them this is not right and we need to stand for what's right. That's but, right. You know, yeah. we don't we don't have people like that. And that's mm-hmm. what's going to ultimately kill the Republican Party if they don't get that fixed. So yeah. eventually. Here, here. I agree. Yeah. So rants, we got them. <laughs> Hey, Never did you want to rant about? Rant. Yeah, did you want to rant about yoga before we go to the break and get uh, and then get uh, represented? I, I mean, I just think it's stupid. I mean, I think it's stupid that you would uh, hang up a uh, a bill that allows children to and young people in, in in Alabama schools. Yeah, to just I mean, and that's basically what it is. Yeah. And and this whole fear of I mean, look, I've taken yoga. I've taken yoga. And I'm no more a Hindu than than Jesus Christ was a Hindu. I mean, it's just crazy. And yeah. yet, 
And yet there's this fear, oh, they're going to make them Hindus. No, they're not. <laughs> Stretching and, 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 you know, listening, you know, being in quiet space mm-hmm. and, and all of this stuff that happens in a yoga class isn't going to make you Hindu any more than walking down the street is going to make you a Hindu. No, it's just it's, insane. You know, well, I, I'll say, I'll, I'll say I, I, do, I do yoga once a week. As part uh-huh. of a new little exercise routine. Oh, good for you, Josh. Yeah, it's, I know you. it's and it's it's some of it's painful and some of it's ugly. Never have I have I you know got into Warrior One and thought, ooh, I'm Hindu now, baby. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's where is know, Vishnu? Let me worship Vishnu. No, yeah, it's not going to happen. No, uh, you know, man, it, it's it, it's so stupid, and you know, it's just really honestly, what it is is a way for Roy Moore's group and the Eagle Forum to you know get into people's back pockets a little bit, um, and that's that's who that's who opposed it was Roy Moore's moral law people and and the Eagle Forum, which is essentially mm-hmm. two old ladies in a basement somewhere, um, and you know, this is who our our legislature pays attention to, and uh, that's what we have to deal with. I don't know what to tell you, man. It's it. You're you're right. It's a hundred percent stupid. As stupid as uh, as allowing, we are the top prescriber in the nation of opioids right now. Right. The top prescriber uh, of, mm. of opioids, and have been for the last two years. And mm. per capita, per capita, and instead of allowing doctors to prescribe a plant for some of that pain. Right. That bill is also held up in, in community, right. even though it was sponsored by a doctor. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's just it's mind blowing, man. It's really mind blowing. Um, yeah, but the, I, I don't get it. If you can get, get a get if you can get a pandering bill that will lead to more kids committing suicide, that thing can fly right out in record time, buddy. That's right. That's right. A bill, by the way, that is as invasive, you know, and as much of it, it's it's as an it's it allows government to be as invasive as is humanly possible for government to be invasive. Something that, you know, right wing Republicans all say, oh, we don't want government in our lives. Right. Oh, but it's OK to put government in the lives of those families that have trans children, though. What, put what, government in their lives. What a big argument back during the whole debate about, uh, you know, that, uh, the Affordable Care Act. Wasn't a big debate about when when they're the line of, of putting Government in between you and your doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Seems as though we have just uh, done that. That, that rings with, a bell. That yeah, rings it seems a bell. We, we've just done this with a trans bill, putting mm-hmm. them between doctors and kids who are the most at risk. Absolutely. And now we're going to do it with medical marijuana as well, and not allow them mm-hmm. to prescribe a plant that might best you know prevent them from having suicides or constant pain. Mm-hmm. And instead, make sure that they give that opioid that they can become addicted to and make some <laughs> big pharma some money. So. <laughs> That's your government at work. Yeah, you have to laugh, to, not because it's funny. You just have to laugh to keep from cussing all the time, man. Know, it's man. just insane. It's insane. You're right about that. It's insane, yeah. which is the theme yeah. of our Alabama legislature. So, mm. all right, uh, let's slide out. And I think I know a lady who would have some things to say about that, uh, and that is Representative Juan LeGavon. <laughs> She'll join us when we come back and hold on to your seat. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, Josh and I have a lot of fun doing this podcast, and we also try to keep it very informational. 
with newsmaker interviews and and we try to do our research too before we get on here and pontificate i hope that you find the podcast informative and entertaining so if you do i need you to do me a favor i need you to rate us subscribe to us and review us on your favorite podcasting platform itunes stitcher spotify whatever it is you're using to listen to us please do that that will help us to move up in the rankings and also to uh, get more people to tune in so if you're a fan of alabama politics this week i hope you'll do that for us thanks welcome back alabama politics this week uh, we are uh, happy uh, i mean really really happy uh to have representative wandling gavon with us now and um let me just say, Representative Juan, uh, the what makes me so happy is is I that, have a big mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say that you go on rants like we go on rants yeah. uh, on this podcast, and yeah. so you fit in so well with what we do here. Uh, oh, I go ham! I go ham! I, I go ham! I go ham! I, I was about to get on a roll a minute ago, but I had to come in here and do this podcast, but I was almost there. We love, it. we love bring it. it we love bring it. it. We love it. We 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 pulled Representative Gavon off the floor where she was about to give somebody absolute hell over some bills uh, there. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, and to, to to give them hell on the podcast. Uh, so that's what we're uh, that's what we're going to talk about here now. And I know uh, I'm, we'll get to uh, you know what you were, what you were going through on the floor and and some other things that were coming up with with the bill by David Faulkner and some uh, some other things. But I wanted to get first uh, because I think this is on people's minds uh, right now because uh, we've seen what's happened with our folk, with our friends over in Georgia. Uh, and we see what's happening in this state now uh, with voter suppression bills uh, that are pretty targeted towards a certain uh, segment of the population in this black state. Folk. Uh, <laughs> right. Black folk. Black folk. I mean, if they're standing on CNN and Fox News and all of these other stations, we might as well speak truth to power here. Uh-huh. It's targeted, targeting black people because black people showed up and showed out in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. Excuse and, me, in twenty in twenty twenty. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about the twenty twenty two election. Uh, yeah, well, that's what the bills are designed for. Is the, is the oh, twenty two? Yeah, they're, 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 that's what they're they're chasing after here is to is to try to stop some of that voting, legal voting that took place. Um, mm-hmm. I, we've seen some already uh, uh, bills, and we have more. We know we have more coming. Um, so, I guess just from your perspective, how do you feel about what you've seen? Disheartened. I'm. I'm very. I'm very disheartened. Disheartened. I, it irks me, and I haven't said the word irk in a very, very long time. But it just eats at me because it's almost eviscerating to a great extent. Because the the problem I have with it is you had an election. Trump was not reelected. He was not reelected by a thousand votes by 10 votes, by 2,000 votes. There were 7 million people who said that they no longer wanted him as president of these United States of America. There were a multitude of women and black folk and people of color that went to the polls and voted, that stood in lines for hours on end. They made their voices heard. And now you want to say, because they beat you at your game. Mm-hmm. Black folk and women beat 
my colleagues at their own game. They sent those ballots in. They used the abilities and powers that they have with, the, with regards to absentee ballots. They took off work. They went and voted. And so as a result, the election flipped to the Democratic Party in many instances. So now we're here today and oh, okay, now the system is so broken. Now you can't give a person a bottle of water who's at the poll for several hours. Now you can no longer assist anyone who may have a handicap or a disability with their, with their ballot. I, I'm just trying to figure out what world that I wake up in because it, it just doesn't make yeah, sense it's, to me. Uh, I mean, it's pretty clear uh, here that the, the goal is to only allow white Republicans to vote. Uh, if, if at all possible. Uh, and, and it's a, you know, it's a targeted effort. And, you know, I think the, the North Carolina case a few years ago where they called the voter ID laws in that case, which are very similar to ours, uh, I remind people, okay. uh, they called it you know, a, a, an attack on black voters with almost surgical precision. You know, mm-hmm. Surgical precision was used by the federal court in that. In that. Uh, and it, it does mimic ours in a lot of ways. And the only reason ours has not been shot down by federal courts is because we have spent millions and millions, millions. of dollars to uh, to give IDs away and have John Merrill and his group go out into a mobile mm-hmm. unit and do all of these different things for I've a law. I've never seen John. Hey, he's been in more housing communities than the people who live in the housing communities. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I will give him that. But I mean, for what? We could have been using that money for something else. Yeah, exactly. Because prior to this law, we had had one instance of in-person voter fraud in this state in the previous 20 years. So yeah, that's what you stopped was that one person. And the law wouldn't have stopped that case uh, because it, it was it's a so sister. Ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. We received an A rating, an A rating for our handling of the 2020 election. An A, not an A, not an A minus, not a B, not a C, not a D nor an F, but an A. Mm-hmm. So Who gave us that rating? Who gave us that there, rating? The, there's a commission. There's a national commission that actually exists and they actually rate because I didn't know it until this year. Mm. And they actually rate from state to state. That's why Florida has now been, you know, talking about the fact that they received a high grade also uh, for their handling. But there is a voter commission that exists here in the country and they rate the processes from state to state, along with the secretary of states with each uh, election. So just to be clear, Representative Gavon, you're saying that there is a bipartisan commission that yes. has given Alabama an A. An A. But all of a sudden, for some strange reason, we now see an influx of, uh, of bills Voter and provisions that are designed to change the voting process that we've already been given an A on. Yes. And, and, and I think you're rightly calling it voter suppression. Now, my question to you is, I got a couple of questions for you. My question, first question for you is, who's to blame for this? Where is it coming from? Uh, well, let me just simply say our secretary of state is a, is a, is a, a, the major culprit, one of the major culprits, let me say this, because he's a head, he's, he's in charge of the election commission. But you have to understand he's also a member of the Republican, Par- Republican Party. Also, because of those two things coupled together, his interest also in his ability to possibly run for Senate or even governor, um, 
He wants to do whatever he can do to continue to build upon his base, even if it hurts other individuals, whether they are of color or women or are of another party affiliation. And thusly, we are here today. Also, it's the mindset that we have people in this House of Representatives and in the Senate who are forever Trumpers. They love Donald Trump. They believe in everything that this man says and does. And so because of that love for that man, they are determined to continue whatever ratchet legacy that he has left here in this country. And it is very ratchet. They can, they, it is their intent to continue that legacy of all of these, uh, this misinformation, and uh, I say things, uh, uh, issues that are th- that deemed to be defamatory and inflammatory, mm-hmm. cu- coupled all in one big recipe. I love the. F- I'm sorry, I didn't, okay. I didn't mean to cut Go you ahead. off. Uh, Representative Gavon, I love the fact that we have worked ratchet into the same paragraph that we have the words <laughs> inflammatory and uh, defamatory. I love that. So, oh, yeah, I mean, because that's yeah. all it is. It's one big recipe. Yeah, yeah. So last week, Josh and I had uh, State Representative Sam Jones on. I think it was last week. Is that no, right, week Josh? Week before last. Yeah. Week before mm-hmm. last. Okay. And uh, Representative Jones said that he has a very real fear of the possibility that we could be moving backwards to such a degree that we could, in fact, end up in a Jim Crow Alabama or some iteration of a Jim Crow Alabama uh, or version of a Jim Crow Alabama. You, before we hit the record button on this interview, you essentially said the same sort of thing. And... I want to know from you why you feel I'd like for you to explain to people why you have this sense that at the rate things are going legislatively in our state, we could be regressing to the point where we could see a return to the days of Jim Crow and Bull Connor. And and those are two words that you used. Or two references that let you me made. just let me tell you why. What the one thing? What was the one thing that black folks fought for for during those eras? The right to vote. The, the the one thing that black people fought for during the uh, civil rights era was the right and the ability to be able to vote just as any other white American Anglo-Saxon citizen here in the United States of America, mm-hmm. regardless of anything, they fought for the right to vote. John Lewis wanted to cross that bridge because he wanted the right to vote. He wanted black folks to have the right to vote. Bull Connor did everything he could do to disenfranchise black folks, even just walking through a door or sipping water out of a a water fountain or using a bathroom that also had the sign that said whites and not just blacks only. So we're almost there, counting jelly beans in a jar, poll taxes. We are one step away. The only reason they haven't passed additional bills right now is because they do have some fear that there is a possibility that those bills will be stricken by the United States Supreme Court, even with the makeup of the current court now. But that's where we are. 
if you start taking a person's abilities and rights to to vote as it relates to their handicap, uh, of course, they don't want any type of no excuse voting. You can forget that. Now, I will add that the Georgia bill did have no excuse voting. They don't want early voting. They, I mean, they don't. They want to take away anything dealing with the right to vote that will add a sense of convenience to allow a black person the ability to vote. They want to do anything to make it difficult for black folks to vote because they feel that black people are going to get to a point that they feel like, okay, a certain degree of apathy has set in. They are tired. They have to work. They have to do this. They've got to do that. Okay, so then now. If you put all of these restrictions in place, what's going to happen? It affects a person's psyche. Mm -hmm. Well, my vote doesn't count. I'm not going to go there and they're not going to let me vote. Or I may not have a voter ID at the time. I could have lost my ID. Anything could have happened. So at the end of the day, they are trying to put all of these restrictions in place. And that will have the cause and effect of having someone to say, I'll just stay at home. So, But you imagine mm -hmm. five people for every five persons that feel like that. Right. Right. So you my final question, Josh, you uh, Representative Gavon, you're in the House, uh, mm -hmm. you know, every session and mm -hmm. you're dealing with people like, um, you know, uh, I'll just reference some Madison County legislators since uh, Josh and I are both here in Madison County, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like uh, 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 Mac McCutcheon or Mike Ball. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Howard Sanderford, people like this. Now, I'm talking about white male legislators, mm -hmm. le legislators. They are not ignorant of the history. They understand the ugly history of this state. So as you're interacting with them and you're confronting them, you know, explaining to them as you challenge them about the dangers, the perilous dangers of regressing to a into a pre-civil rights or even civil rights era Alabama when it comes to the rights of, of people of color. What are they saying to you? What's their rationale for for moving forward with these kinds of discriminatory uh, legis uh, you know, pieces of legislation? I'm going to say it like this, and, and I want you to follow me on this. OK. And it, this will just give you a, a, a broader picture. If you're on the floor debating someone and you ask that person, do they know who Mel Nelson Mandela is? And they have no earthly idea who Nelson Mandela is or was, rather. That lets you know right there that there is a serious issue and disconnect of reality that we are experiencing here. A, a, a Republican legislator was asked two weeks ago Dealing with the, the voting rights bill that, uh, that they had proposed or sponsored in with regards to not being able to vote in one state or crossing part, uh, state lines and voting in another state. And so someone asked this representative, did they know who Nelson Mandela was? Had no earthly idea. Hmm. No earth. You don't know who Nelson, Mande M M Nelson Mandela was to the point that even some of their other colleagues 
on the opposite side of the aisle was somewhat embarrassed. Mm. So I'm saying all of this to say is that they are oblivious to many issues and many facts. And it is because it is the movement of their party at this time. And they are going to vote with the party. And that is what they do. And they know many of them know that it's wrong. But also it goes back to what I have been saying that it exists here. And that is there there exists in this House of Representatives systemic racism for which these individuals feel that it's not racial or it's not racism because they in their minds believe that racism it is dealing with the Jim Crow era where they were trying to disenfranchise blacks but then and, and stop them politically as well as socially and economically. But they feel that also with regards to the Jim Crow era, if you're not wearing a white sheet mm. with two holes in the middle and one in the nose, actually three holes in the face mm-hmm. with a pointed hood, that you're not a racist. We had a representative here just a few weeks ago who argued with the reporter that the civil rights, excuse me, that the um, civil war was fought, excuse me, that the Confederate war was fought based upon the fact that 13 states wanted, uh, did not want, um, uh, or wanted slavery. And he argued with the reporter that he didn't understand the fact that why the civil right was fought. Civil, excuse me, the, um, uh, the war, the Confederate war was fought. Mm. He didn't understand that. Who, who was that? He didn't understand. Oh, Mike Holmes. He argued with the reporter to the point that the reporter wrote an extensive, as a matter of fact, he even he even quoted one of the speeches from that era. Yeah. But he he debated this reporter as to why that war was fought. Yeah, that's not surprising. Um, I, I'm, I'm dealt with Mike Holmes. That's not surprising at all. And that's in black and white. Yeah, that's well. Yeah. Listen, I, I, it, none of this is. I mean, you I, you know me. I, I've dealt with all these people for a long time now, and it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it is. It's embarrassing in a lot of ways. Uh, the the lack of awareness, uh, the the ignorance of basic history. Um, yeah. Uh, the. Uh, the refusal to accept uh, that that things are different from their own lives that that is probably to me the biggest thing that that has uh, that that affects the the Republican mindset is this inability to imagine a life different from theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh yeah, and then the other thing is, Josh, you got to also remember they were so emboldened, they were so freaking emboldened during this past administration in in D.C. And that gave them a sense of power that they had, had not had or felt in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had a power just by the fact of their skin color. Oh, yeah. That's not good enough. But they had a person in D.C. who could say anything, do anything at any time. And it made it all right. Well, if I say anything, oh, I'm being mean. I'm a bully. I'm a bitch. I am, uh, I'm, I'm evil. I'm wicked. I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever. Okay. Okay. I'm all of those things. I earned, I've earned that right. So let me be all of those things. Cause if I can get y'all together, I'm gonna get you together. Nobody's ever actually called you out of your name though. It called you a bitch. 
they come close to it or they said it to their colleagues and it has gotten back to me. Wow. Which I don't care. Wow. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. I mean, because I'm gonna speak straight up. I'm on I'm gonna be honest with them. And I so my thing is if we're gonna have a, a street fight, bring your bat, your knife, your machete, your gun, whatever, we and meet me in the middle of the street. And I that's my mentality, and you know, that's it. Well, it's you know what? Mm. Uh, here's the thing I've always told people is you know, why why is it that any idiot can get on, can stand up at that mic in, in, on the floor or go on Facebook or somewhere, social media and spout off whatever ignorant racist nonsense that they want to spout off mm-hmm. and pretend like they have a better idea of things. And then the moment you come back and say, hey, wait a minute, clown, that's not right. You're the asshole all of a sudden. That's not right. I'm the asshole. I'm the asshole. And, mm. But I, like I say, I own it. If I'm one, I'm one. Let, make sure it's my first name, middle name, and last name. <laughs> Don't make a mistake. Don't get it twisted, okay? <laughs> So I, I own it. And the thing about it is I own it and it makes me so infuriated at times. And I share this with my colleagues. Call a thing what it is. Mm-hmm. Stop getting up there sugarcoating you because they're not they're only going to allow X amount of our bills to get out anyway. And it's gotten so bad here in this house that we can bring good bills and they take our bills and dissect and water our bills down so far down until the true intent of the bill is lost. Mm. So I'm saying to myself every time I come in here, well, what's the purpose? So I might as well defend my bills at the microphone so my people back home can hear what I'm saying and know that I'm down here fighting for them. I don't have anything to lose. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, you're 100 percent right, and and you know, and that's one of the reasons why we we wanted to you know to start this podcast was was to give people like you and a lot of others who who very rarely get the voice out uh, here, you know, because you know in this Republican dominated uh, legislature, it, it you know the reporters automatically, and I guess you know some some would say rightfully so, go to the leadership there, the the people that are actually going to make you know the the mm-hmm. big decisions, and they go to them, and so a lot of voices get squashed washed in this and so you never hear from from those folks and then you have a speaker and and you know i know a lot of people who might not have particularly like the former speaker mike hubbard i didn't have a problem with mike hubbard the one or two times that we had issues we got to be all right he understood me i understood him he respected me i respected him this speaker here wants the public to believe that everything in this house of representatives is so wonderful. It's such a kumbaya moment every time we get together and it's great and it is an absolute fabrication of a lie. But that's the thing he wants the public to have that perception thereof and that's the optic that he wants them to see. And, and, and it's just not the truth. It's just a lie. And it just makes me so, again, angry every time I come in here because I'm saying, OK, let's talk about a thing as it, as it, as it is and, and let's deal with it. But you want the world to believe that we're all in love with each other. We all care and respect. And we do care for each other for the most part. You can't serve with someone for so. I've been here now 11 years. This is my third term. Next year will be 12 years. And I will, I will have wrapped up this term. But the realization is you, you do get close to people and you, you do deal with the issues of diversity. But then on the flip side of it, if those issues of diversity are not dealt with in a way that you are bringing about real change, what's the point? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I know before we before we let you go, I know you wanted to also talk about a, a bill by, by David Faulkner, uh, a representative there that that is uh, that would relax fees for uh, birth certificates 
um, in, in cases where people have lost their birth, birth certificate and need to get an ID, uh, it, it reduces some of those fees for people that are indigent. Uh, but what, what's the, what is yeah, your problem? For those who have been incarcerated. Incarcerated, I'm sorry, incarcerated, yes. Uh, so what, what was your, what, what's your main problem with this one? My argument is that we have been dealing with prison and citizen reform here in the state of Alabama for the last few years. And at the end of the day, one of the biggest issues that continue to arise here with regards to those discussions and talks is a person's ability to be able to get out of prison who have been released. They are no longer confined and they are free citizens. They, however, do not have the ability or the financial means to go out and get their driver's license, to have their driver's license reinstated so they can go out and seek gainful employment, or at least they can go and drive or be permitted to drive without being stopped by law enforcement, for which one day are stopped. Many instances in my practice, my legal profession, for several years, I... Um, I uh, worked in, I uh, handled cases for legal aid and the city of Birmingham indigent defense at the South Court. And one of the things that I noticed with that is that you have individuals who have been incarcerated, who have been released. They could not get driver's license. They ultimately get stopped. That means they get stopped. They get a fine for no state driver's license or uh, not having a driver's license that ultimately will get reduced. And the only thing reduction does is decreases the amount of the fine to a no state driver's license. They are not going to have a tag light. They're not going to have a, tag, uh, a, a vehicle registration. They're going to have a headlight that has been uh, uh, bust out or whatever you want to call it or broken. So then you get, they rack up all these fines. The, in order for you to have true transformation in dealing with individuals who are incarcerated, you have to give a person the ability to get gainful employment and to get a driver's license. And also, one other thing, if time you, someone goes to an employer, what do they see? You're, the question on the application is, have you been incarcerated? Or excuse me, have you been convicted of a crime? That's three strikes already. Because you're going to have to mark that box. So those are the things that we need to be dealing with as it relates to uh, criminal reform here in the state of Alabama. And we need to do away with these, these fines of restitution and assist these individuals with getting their driver's license, not a photo ID. You can go get a photo ID from anywhere. You don't need a birth certificate to get a photo ID. Yeah, you know, if uh, at some point, if we're going to actually worry about rehabilitation, we're going to have to do the things that that actually help people get rehabilitated. Yeah, to help people, and this bill isn't doing anything. Most of these people already know what their birth certificates are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, it's you know, you're waving fifteen dollars. You should be waving three hundred dollars. Right, wave three hundred dollars, not fifteen dollars. You know, that's all I'm saying. But you know, it's just me. I'm just one voice. Well, so. I, you know, it's uh, listen. Without folks like you, though, uh, you know, uh, yeah, and I know that you get shouted down a lot. Uh, but without folks like you, that we would have a lot more problems, and and there would not be uh, anybody out there shouting. And so, uh, you know, yeah, keep speaking up, and and we. We appreciate, I hate we pulled you off the floor because I know somebody was about to get it good. Uh, but uh, we, we do appreciate you coming on and, and and going on a nice rant with us. And it was great. And, oh, Lord, don't say rant. Well, no, 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 no. Hey, when we say rant, we don't mean it negatively. <laughs> when we when we say rant, we don't mean it negatively. That's what I'm saying. No, yeah, we, uh, we, 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 
we love a good rant. We we yeah. rant all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, I I kept it mild today, but yeah, it, it was getting <laughs> heated because I, I mean, every time David Faulkner goes to the floor, it just does something to me. But you know, we got past it, and I wanted to keep my word to come in here, and I'm I'm happy I had an opportunity to speak with you all. Y'all got to bring me back on at some point. Yeah. Oh, you can count on that. Absolutely. You can count on that. You're, you're anytime, okay. any, hey, anytime you need to need to come on and uh, and just talk I passionately. Yeah, talk, or right. talk passionately, however you want to put right. it. We'll uh, we'll get you back okay. on here. Standing invitation. Well, thank you all. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank all you, right. Representative Gavon. Thank she you. Is, uh, she's uh, great. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, she <laughs> is, uh, that is, uh, that's like a ball of fire there. Oh, man. She was, uh, <laughs> she was letting it rip. I love it. I love it. Don't hold back. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, yeah. hey, why hold back, you know? Yeah. Hold back. Well, you know what? Uh, um, disenfranchised people need passionate advocates. Yeah, and um, and and she is absolutely that. Everybody doesn't, you know. It's just like to me. It's just like in the civil rights movement. You know, uh, in the civil rights era. You know, we had uh, we had our very erudite kinds mm-hmm. of advocates, like you know, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and and people of that ilk. But then we also had, you know. Uh, more uh, passionate people, you know, like uh, El Haj Malik El Shabazz, Malcolm X is how he's commonly known, and and Stokely Carmichael, and yeah. you know, I mean, you know, we had Angela Davis, Doctor Angela Davis, a native Alabamian. I mean, we had a, a nice range of of people and voices, and that's what you need. That's what. Yeah, you need you need, you need some people that uh, that are going to shake things up and mm-hmm. uh, and not be apologetic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I like that. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really kind of appreciate the, the passion. I, and I understand better than most the frustration, uh, mm-hmm. of it, you know, and, that, and that's where I think a lot of, of, of that passion comes from is just the, the ultimate frustration, uh, week in and week out of going to Montgomery and watching what goes on. And it, it can be, man, it can wear on you after a little yeah. bit, uh, especially if you're the, one of the folks there that are trying to get the bills through and. Uh, it does. Uh, it can. It can really wear on you. But uh, she's great, and uh, I, I'm. I was serious. I'd love, love to have her back on every now and then, just to just to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely, she doesn't hold back. All right, we'll uh, we'll slide out of here. Uh, be back in a minute to wrap this baby up. All right. Hey, just wanted to take a second to uh, thank the AFL CIO. Uh, for their support of the podcast here at Alabama Politics this week and really thank them for all that they do for us and for the workers all around uh, Alabama. Uh, the Alabama AFL-CIO, which you can find at alaflcio.com. Again, that's alaflcio.com. Uh, go to their, their website. Uh, they, they do great work uh, at helping you organize, uh, teaching you about the benefits of a union, uh, teaching you about how to how to go about filing grievances and everything else that goes with, with being a union member. And especially in this time, COVID-19 is so prevalent and, um, you know, a lot of workers are having problems with uh, precautions not necessarily being taken or getting relief uh, that they need because of wage losses and job losses. Go over there to the website, take a look at the reports that are there, take a look at the guidance that they have. 
uh, utilize some of those, uh, some of the fine people that are working at Alabama AFL-CIO uh, and, and take advantage of, of what a union can bring. Uh, and that's especially true if you're working at a place that does not necessarily have a union. Uh, I think you can read, uh, read all about that with the, uh, with the folks working at Amazon currently uh, in this state, and you can see the benefits that kind of come along with being a union member. Uh, again, that's A-L-A-F-L-C-I-O.com, A-L-A-F-L-C-I-O.com. All righty, welcome back. Alabama politics this week. Uh, here to wrap this baby up. Hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna introduce a new segment, um, and this is I mean, it's gonna floor you. Oh, is it? Oh, it's gonna floor you. It's gonna okay. floor you. All right. I'm ready oh, you to know the segment. This was your idea. What do you mean? <laughs> what are you saying? It's, it's going to floor you, and it was your idea. That's how surprising it is. It well, was David's idea, and he's surprised well, by it. Well, I didn't know that we were going to actually deem it a segment. I thought it was just a story that we were doing. But, but I'm cool with that. Let's, let's introduce a new segment. Let's do it that way. <laughs> like, really? Really? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's a, a positive news. It's a positive yeah. news segment. We're gonna we're gonna have a pos- We're gonna try to do it once a week. All right, we we really will, depending on the availability of positive news. Um, and, yeah. and so uh, this this week, you're you're. This was again David's idea to have some positive news, and uh, and I thought it was a good idea. I uh, really, it was. Uh, you know, we should have done this a long time ago. Uh, but so. What would which positive news story would you like to lead with in our well, positive news segment? Well, I think that it's good news. I mean, we're such harsh critics of the Alabama legislature, and for mm-hmm. good reason. Yes, but I think there's some good news that came out of the legislature this week, Josh. Mm-hmm. And that good news is that the Alabama House passed a bill that is banning the sales of e-cigarettes and vaping products. To people under twenty-one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's fine. I think that is a wonderful thing, and the House did it. So it wasn't, you know. Again, we, you know, we're very critical of the legislature. We we're mm-hmm. always, uh, you know, bashing Republicans and for for them. But this is something that the entire Alabama House did. The Republican-controlled House did, and so I want to laud them for that. I think that's good news. Well, you know, I I, I I agree. I think that it's it's a good news. Uh, it is good. I think that you know it's uh, um, the any any ban on, on things like that should uh, should start at eighteen. Uh, you know, and, instead of uh, just just twenty one. I, I think uh, you know. I, I think it ought to be the same way for alcohol. If you're if we're gonna if we're gonna put kids in the military at eighteen, then mm-hmm. all adult decisions should uh, you know under the law should begin there. Uh, to me. You know, I, I'm fine with it being 21 in this case and in alcohol. I'm not, I'm not really making a pitch for it. I'm right. just saying it, it doesn't make any sense to me that we, we do things that way. There's 21 for some things and, but 18, if you're, we're, you're, you're determined man enough to go over and fight for the country, uh, in a, in a foreign land somewhere and, and use like, use a gun and, you know, and, and do all that stuff. I, I just, to me, it doesn't make any sense. And I hear you. I think, I think we ought to be consistent about that. I think that's, I think that's a very fair point. But uh, but in the meantime, I'm glad yeah. to see that the Alabama House has done this, according to uh, the reporting that was done by AL.com. Apparently, this bill will also create a database to track and monitor sales. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, at, at the various retailers and to regulate advertising to make sure that minors aren't being targeted. So assuming that the Senate passes this and assuming the governor signs it, I think this will this will create a healthier Alabama and, mm-hmm. and, and will it will be a great step, hopefully, in helping to protect young people from becoming uh, addicted. Well, you know, and I understand, you know, that a lot of people start smoking when they're in their teens and and so forth. But but hopefully this will help. I mean, I just hope it'll help. It's not going to do anything about being able to put weed in there and smoke it, though, right? Uh, doesn't say anything about okay, good, that in good. this. All right, no, we're okay on that. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, listen, um, d- d- can you, I don't, and you may not know this, and uh, may just be asking for, you know, a rhetorical question here, but uh, right. can can vaping companies, can they use, because, you know, there are a lot of restrictions on tobacco companies uh, and being able to use, you know, cartoon characters and uh, those sorts of things that would that would ultimately market to, to kids and, and younger, you know, adults. Uh, are there the same rules for vaping companies? I don't I mean, know. Can they use I, like uh, the the vaping viper, uh, you know, or some cartoon character like that? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't I don't know the answer to that. I do know that there's been a lot of activity in at the grassroots level to try to uh, really control the access that these companies have to young people. But I don't know how far they've progressed with that in terms of, of, of laws. I don't know. Or regulation. I don't know. Well, maybe they will. Maybe they will. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, another, another fine, uh, uh, positive news story, uh, from, from the Alabama legislature is, uh, the habitual felony offender act, uh, the striking down of, of that, uh, habitual felony offender act, uh, passed out of committee. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it has a prayer of actually passing, but the fact that it got out of a, uh, you know, a committee there and uh, in the in the house, and uh, I think that's a that's a pretty big step for it. You know, maybe if it doesn't pass this year, you can build on that momentum, kind of like we're, with with medical marijuana, uh, mm. which is still stuck in committee. Of right. course, uh, that you, you we can build on that going forward uh, and 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 get that struck down because it's a it's a law that has hurt a lot of people unnecessarily. Uh, judges don't care for it. Uh, because it ties their hands in situations where they feel like they could probably have a little better uh, say so in a person's sentence. Maybe somebody does not deserve has been caught up in this or that, but but ultimately be better served in an alternative situation. Um, and so I think, um, you know, that if we can get that thing struck down. Uh, the, and, the, and the guys that have really worked the most on uh, sentencing reform has one been one of their biggest pushes. Uh, uh, Chris England has, has pushed that uh, real hard. Uh, Cam Ward, and uh, when he was in the Senate, was behind this. Uh, Jim Hill now, who is a uh, former judge and is a uh, one of the hardest line conservatives you'll meet is also in favor of it because it puts a little more power back into judges' hands, and so I think that uh, if we could get that passed, uh, that would be that would be pretty great. But I I don't know. At least it passed out of there, though. Yeah. Well, you know, small steps, man. Right? Baby steps, right? <laughs> that's right. Baby steps. Baby steps for the positive. Big steps for the negative. Uh, that's that's how we roll around here. Uh, all right. Right wing nut of the week. Uh-huh. Enough of that positive nonsense. Let's get to something negative. All right. <laughs> 
That our, is our wheelhouse. Uh, that's our wheelhouse. That's right. Our, yeah. our right, right wing nut of the week this week. Uh, I'm not sure if we've had this guy before, but he has definitely earned his position if we have as a multi-winner. Uh, Steve Marshall, the attorney general for the state of Alabama, is our right wing nut of the week. And, and really, he is battling hard for that spot. He would like to have it every week, uh, I think, and just based on what he's doing. Um, this week, he's filed uh, a couple of worthless lawsuits or joined. Uh, in in a couple of worthless lawsuits against the Biden administration, the most recent one uh, that they announced on Wednesday is, uh, and I said on Twitter, is probably the clearest evidence uh, or, or clearest example of hypocrisy and and just absolute pandering that I've seen from somebody in a long time. Because what they're doing is suing the Biden administration because as part of the stimulus package that was passed, a stipulation on money received by the state is the state can't then go back, take that money and say, all right, we're going to cut taxes on these businesses and this and these individuals here and then use that money to replace that. Uh, you know, specifically. Right. Now they can do all, you can still have all sorts of tax cuts in the state. You, you can still cut taxes left and right as long as you don't then use that stimulus money to replace that. All right. You can do anything. And mm-hmm. the exact same stipulations were on the two previous rounds of stimulus stu- uh, money that went out to states uh, under the Trump administration. And, you know, and that, that's, that's why, it's it's such grandstanding pandering and hypocrisy uh, by Steve Marshall, who is becoming honestly. I called him Alabama's Ted Cruz because that's essentially who he is at this time, at this point in time. I mean, he's basically uh, Alabama Ted Cruz with a little bit better beard, uh, and you know, it just uh, it really, man, it just is. Uh, what are you doing? Isn't there something? Isn't there? There's got to well, be somebody. Really- well, he's he's running for Senate, isn't he? I mean, isn't that uh, what he's, he's trying to do? Senate position himself for, him for Senate? Hell, he it, could barely become AG. He needed well, to cheat to become AG. But I thought that's what he was doing. He was positioning oh, himself to try to man. run for Senate. He's going to try to run for governor. Oh, you think so? Yeah. He, if Ivy doesn't run, then that, that'll be his spot. But I I don't hmm. think I don't think he can run for Senate. Nobody's going to vote for him above the, the the people that are in there. You, you know, he can't beat Mo Brooks. Uh, you know, and if you can't beat Mo Brooks and you can't beat anybody uh, in this thing, because, yeah, I, I think that, you know, then the Blanchard lady is going to get the Trump support. Uh, and then I think you're going to have another candidate get in the race that's going to get the support of Richard Shelby and the same uh, <laughs> the same uh, caucus in the, of the Republican, which is shrinking by the day. Uh, and so, mm. you know, what's left for Steve Marshall is, is not much. And I think that's the other. That's the reason why Will Ainsworth didn't get in this as well. And so I think you're going to see a fight here before long between Will Ainsworth and Steve Marshall for, for the governor's office. Ah, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. well, either way, this is how yeah. he does it. You know, he's got to position himself, he thinks, as the antithesis of Joe Biden and and the Democrats. So mm-hmm. this, is, yeah, God, this is... Yeah, God forbid you, you help people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and come up with plans to govern. Um, yeah. That would that wouldn't be outside of Steve's wheelhouse, and I'll say that. Um, it's uh, and and listen, what a what a situation we've set up for ourselves with Will Ainsworth and Steve Marshall as our choices for governor. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, well, you know what? Based on what I've seen so far, mm-hmm. and and of course, I don't prefer either one of them. But but based on what I've seen so far, if if somebody put a gun to my head and said, which one would you choose? So far, I'd choose Ainsworth. So far. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I think would he would do the least amount of damage so far. Yeah, now, yeah I think you're right. Uh, yeah. I think you're you're 100 right. I'll say this about Will: uh, we disagree on a lot of things, and mm-hmm. I've, I've disagreed vehemently with his with the way he's handled himself after the the initial foray into the pandemic, uh, which I thought he he expressed his true feelings, and then ever since yeah. then he's been trying to get back in the good graces of the crazies, um, mm-hmm. but. Um, I, I'll say this about him. I don't believe he can be bought and sold. I believe anybody with a dollar in their pocket can buy Steve Marshall. Uh, mm. And and that's, uh, I, I honestly, I, I don't say that uh, about a whole lot of people. Um, uh, Steve Marshall is one of the biggest sellouts in government that I've ever seen. Uh, wow. You know, over and over and over, he sold himself out to people. Uh, and really, I mean, just the way he got into the office to begin with was, was really a sellout. And I, I just... I, I've been turned off by the guy since, you know, since, since day one. Well, not, not too long after he got into office, he lied to me straight to my face. And, and so it's, that's, that's been a wrap. Uh, wow. But, uh, you know, that's how we are. Hmm. All right. Unless, uh, unless I've missed anything, I think that's going to do it for us. Yeah, I think we're good. Uh, one day we need, well, I'm sure if his aspirations are what we think they are, we'll have a chance to flesh that out some more because I think people, need to hear the full story, the full Steve Marshall story. So we'll flesh that out one day, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, Join us next week for a very special episode of the Steve Marshall story. (laughs) Oh, man, we'd lose listeners by the dozens if we did that. Oh, the Steve Marshall story. It's just like all the other ones, except crazier. Uh Um, All right, let's let's get out of here. And, uh, you know, until next week. See you guys later. Peace.